Hi, everyone. I'm Aaliyah Kemet, and welcome to Phenomenal Grit, career conversations for women of color. It's time to get intentional about why you are here. This podcast is all about winning, winning at work, winning in your career, and finding happiness and joy in the process. Each episode, I'll either be talking to an amazing and inspiring guest or sharing stories and lessons from my own personal career journey. It's time to invest in you with you. Let's get into it. I think the journey, the climb, while you are climbing is important to highlight. Today, I'm having a conversation with Christine Rodriguez, Director of Global Creative Operations for Estee Lauder on the MAC Cosmetics brand. Christine shares how the relationships you build are the currency you have. She gives us some great tips on making connections at work, navigating stereotypes and labels, and we even get into my favorite lipstick. Enjoy the conversation. You know, it's just been like a long, it feels like this week has been really long. I'm having a similar experience. I don't know what it is, but this week is, I'm going to just say it's dragging for me. Yeah. I mean, Tuesday, I was like, what's today? I thought it was Thursday. I didn't recognize that yesterday was only Monday. And it was just, it was a bizarre feeling to have because even on my worst weeks, it's, I can I have a sense of the week. Not this week. It's I don't know. I think it's something with the energy, something in the world. Well, I'm so glad that you took the time to join me today. I'm so glad to have you here and just to just dive in and talk about your career and your family and some of the great things you're doing right now. I want to start out by having you walk me through your career journey. You don't have to hit on every single thing. But I would love to hear about going from agency side to your current role on brand side um, as the director of global creative operations for Mac at Estee Lauder. Did I get that right? Correct. You got it right. That's it. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I would love to tell you a little bit about that. I started in advertising in an agency many moons ago, about 12 years ago, fresh out of college. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I had a close family friend. He owned a small agency, a Hispanic-led agency. He was like, why don't you come, you know, be an assistant account executive, see if you like it, and go from there. And at that point, it was fun. I was young. I was in the city. It was advertising. Mm-hmm. I was working on Heineken. And I was just like, this is the best. This is the most fun. You're going to client mm-hmm. parties. You're spending their money. It's, oh, I want to do this. I kept <laughs> at it. I grew I moved up the ladder. I switched from agency to agency. I went to, from there, I went to McGarry Bowen. From there, I went to Gray. So really these big shops, these big clients working on Verizon, working on TJ Maxx. I got a lot of experience. I met a lot of people. My network Mm -hmm. was growing. Finally, I went to this last agency called Fallon where I met my boss who then brought me into Mac. She went over about a year before me, her boss at the time needed to build his team. And so she reached out to the people she knew. And with my experience in advertising and kind of what he needed to do in terms of building this internal infrastructure to support the creative team at Mac, I met him, he brought me in and and it's been definitely a roller coaster. I've been there for three years now. It's very different being at corporate versus advertising agencies. Yeah. You know, there's It's a flexible sort of like very dynamic culture in corporate there's a a few more layers a lot more politics you met your your current boss at your last job yes 
And I think that's so cool. That really speaks to the power of relationships, Mm -hmm. clearly of your ability to make an impression on someone so much so that they would want to recruit you in to the company that they went to. Tell me a little bit about that relationship. I think, listen, I think in anything you do from a career standpoint, even from a personal standpoint, it's the relationships that you build, right? That is what at the end of the day, the currency that you have, your friends, Mm -hmm. your family, your peers, your colleagues, it is what makes the day exciting. For me, I feel that the relationships I build get me to the places I want to be. They also open my eyes to opportunities I want to explore. I had really no idea what this world was. For me, I was super laser focused on what I knew. I knew advertising. I was a very strong account person. I knew how to maintain client relationships. I would have never thought about going in-house. I would have never thought about what that meant. And because of that relationship, she opened the door for me to a different Mm -hmm. world and to experience something different. So I think in your career, as you're moving through it, something that you really need to keep top of mind are those relationships that you're building and those people that are supporting you and also who you're supporting, right? This sponsor, mentor, mentee relationship Mm -hmm. um, is super important as you want to grow and as you want to move anywhere within your career. For me, that's something I've always valued. Yeah, I I love that. So before, I'm I'm not going to talk shop too much, but I do want to say, because I know, I'm sure that you guys are experiencing all kinds of insights on how people are using or not using makeup during a pandemic. And I want to tell you how Mac has supported me. Okay, I love (laughs) it. I didn't tell you this when we talked the other day. No. So I don't want to wear makeup every day now that we're like, we're on Zoom or Teams. We're not in the office. So I think like a lot of women, we're focusing on our skincare, right? Yes, we sure are. Right? But that Ruby Woo, and I don't have one now, (laughs) but let me tell you, honey, Ruby Woo Red Lip has saved me many days when I'm like, I just can't do another meeting. I can't look at myself on this camera again. Yeah. And it's like, pop. (laughs) Listen, you hear that a lot, especially working from home and being on Zoom. A little Ruby Woo will give you that extra confidence and that extra boost of energy that you need. But it's been hard for cosmetics, especially color cosmetics. It's been a tough year. If there is a business, our president says this all the time, if there's a business that could have suffered more, it's a brand that is driven by lip. With the introduction of masks, without going out at all, without having occasions or reasons to put makeup on, it's been a struggle. We've shifted with that to face and skin being our focus. But it's not what we're known for as a brand. MAC is Ruby Woo. Yep. So it's been tough, but I love to hear it because I, I think so many people feel the same way, especially about Ruby Woo. It's such an iconic shade for us. So that brings me joy. I like that. I, I, good. I think it's, but I think they're coming back because I'm, I got to order some more colors. It can't just be the same you know, color I think we are. every time. You we're see? Seeing, we're, we're seeing recovery. It's definitely, yeah. you know, a little bit of an uphill battle, but with the vaccines and all of that rolling out quickly, we're thinking summer is going to be a fun time and recovery with makeup is going to be quick, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, that's what we're saying to ourselves. But yeah, I think people are ready. They're ready to go out and and they need, they want to look their best and they do want to put on those full faces since they haven't been able to or haven't had a reason to. So it'll be exciting, I think. Yay. Okay. Enough shop. Enough shop. (laughs) (laughs) I could talk shop all day. No, I love that. Thank you. 
Yeah, it has literally saved me multiple times. Okay, can you talk to me a little bit about your culture? We talked what it is to be a Hispanic woman in corporate environments. Do you feel like you have to show up differently from other people? And how does how you were brought up come to bear in the workplace? Yeah, so I'm Cuban. My mother was born in Cuba. She left at an early age. She was three. Her parents eventually settled in Costa Rica. Her mom passed away young. So then she ended up in the States where she met my father, my father, first generation, also Cuban, super close family. We are constantly together. My sister and I just had a conversation today. They treat us like we're still 12. Meanwhile, I'm 34. She's 36. She has a child and a husband, but it's just, they can never, my mom always says to her, it doesn't matter what age my niece's name is Amelia. It doesn't matter what age Amelia will be. You'll always think about her the same way. And my sister and I are always like, we get it, mom, we get it, but just let go a little, like let the rain. Mm -hmm. So that was my upbringing. I was, you know, always careful of what I did and what I said. I always, you know, wanted to make sure I was following the rules, whatever my parents told me. They were also very strict. So I have this tendency to just play by the rules and follow, you know, whatever someone tells me to do. And I think a lot of that I I took with me into my adult life. And then I would say not until recent did I take a step back and just acknowledge my own actions personally and professionally because of that. I was I'm careful with the actions that I take. I am choiceful in everything I do. But with that, sometimes you lose what could be a full experience. And in work, mm-hmm. the way that's come to life is sometimes I'll be careful with when or how I say something. And, and that's just because I don't want, I don't want to cause trouble or I don't want to come off as like making anything, undoing anything or shuffling any feathers. But then also when I do say something because I'm Hispanic, I don't want to come off as too direct or too harsh, or she's not kind, or she's not considerate of what other people are thinking, when in fact, a a white male counterpart can probably say the same thing, and it not be seen as rude, or offensive, or they're, they're too direct. It's just a statement. It's a fact. So I think my upbringing, definitely, my mom, especially, she's also in corporate America, she works for pharmaceuticals, her and I actually talk about this a lot together. It's that idea of not only a woman, but now a Hispanic woman having thoughts or having opinions and how you say that it's you you tend to get in your head a lot and you are careful with what you do wow this really resonates with me as a black woman like it's almost the exact same experience are you viewed as loud or as too direct or you know this stereotype Mm -hmm. when there are cultural nuances that are just in our culture that are not necessarily accepted the same way and exactly And I think there are generalizations made about our cultures that Mm -hmm. are, then you're just, that's who you are, right? Just because my last name is Rodriguez, now I'm the loud Hispanic who's going to be like banging pots and pans around and coming in Mm -hmm. with like all Wait, 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 wait. why is she banging? No, back up. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm Hispanic and that's what we're doing, right? (laughs) Why are the pots and pans? Are you, is it because you're in the kitchen? What does this mean? (laughs) I don't know. It's because like we're in our backyard and we're just like noisy, ruckus. And I've also taken that with me through my whole entire life. This idea of Hispanics, lower income, they're just like Mm. loud, rambunctious. There's like no class or etiquette. And it's like the opposite of who I am or who my family even is. But it is that stereotype. It is that label that gets put on you because it is what's 
what's in the media out there? Yeah, it's in the media. What's in the media? Yeah, yeah. Generalized, and everyone is just that's your label. You're Hispanic. You are in that bucket, and it doesn't matter where, how you grew up, or what your family's, or what your education level is. And for me, especially with my last name being as common as it is. Straight up, Rodriguez. As soon as you see Rodriguez, you see a a Z at the end of a name, that's it. Like, you are that. There's not even a deciphering between what I'm Cuban, but they're just like, you're Spanish. It doesn't matter what you are. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's, it's hard. It's, it's hard. I think it definitely shapes how you enter a room and how comfortable you are in said room. And how have you learned to become comfortable in the room, knowing that people will say they don't have stereotypes. Everybody has bias. We already know. How have you learned to show up authentically, to grow in your career, and to just really embrace yourself? I think two things for me. One is feedback, being open and receptive to feedback from my peers and from my manager. You're presenting all the time, especially in corporate America. And any chance I get, I ask them, like, how was that? Where could I have done better? Where did I, like, was I not firm enough or was I too firm? So that's one thing. For me, I'm always open to feedback. And the other thing is support. I have Mm. the support of my boss. I have the support of my global president. And I know that. They tell me that. And that makes me feel comfortable enough to raise my hand and to have a voice in the room. Listen, by no means am I saying I'm going into every room and I'm 100% comfortable and confident I'm raising my hand and opening my mouth every chance I get. And there are moments where I leave a meeting and I'm like, man, I should have said that. I could have said that and that would have helped the conversation. But there's always that little thing in the back of my head. Don't add just to add and make sure whatever you're saying is really valuable because if not, they're just going to look at you like, why did you open your mouth? But mm-hmm. I do think having the support of my boss makes me feel much more comfortable and confident in what I say. Because otherwise, like, I don't know who would step in behind me and be like, yeah, did you hear Christine? Or yeah, I, I support that or ditto. So that makes me comfortable personally. I love that, Christine. And I think that's something that other people can think about too when they show up in the room. Yeah. So another thing you're doing at Estee Lauder, I know you've joined a new women's group. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's a sponsorship group or a mentorship group or just an all-out badass women get together, support each other kind of group. It's but talk a to us a little bit about that. So yeah, I um, am part of a women's leadership group. It's called Open Doors. It's essentially a group of 30 women, all director level across the corporation. So all of our sister brands And it's really a sponsorship program. It starts with a two-week intensive training. So you're in a training from like nine to 12, and then again from five to six. You're learning professionally in your career how to grow, how to develop. They touch upon topics like imposter syndrome, how to receive and give feedback, how to be a strong leader, but just all with the idea of really taking their top talent that they've identified across the corporation and putting them in a room with, you know, leadership across the corporation, assigning you a sponsor to really help you grow, um, giving you stretch assignments outside of your brand or outside of your function, but really in support of women and in support of potential women leaders that they've identified so that one day we're sitting in those executive positions and they're breeding us to become the next VPs and SVPs in the company. I'm imagining you were recommended for this group. Someone said, Christine should be in. Yep. And I think many companies, right? So many companies have maybe something similar. How would you advise women to prepare themselves to be considered for something like that? That is an amazing question. I'll tell you this. 
I don't know if I have the answer. I had no idea this program even existed. Mm-hmm. And my boss came to me um, and said, listen, I know your workload is enormous. Your plate is overflowing, but I have a really good opportunity for you. I think it would be tremendous for your career. And he gave me the information and he was like, here, if you want to do it, let me know and I'll sign you up. I think you really would benefit from this. One of the pieces of feedback we actually had for her name, Sarah Moss, she leads up this organization and also this program was how do you make this more publicly known across the company? Because no one, even when I was doing it and I was telling my peers at at my brand, they were like, I have no idea what you're doing or like what this training is. So honestly, for me in a different company or for me, even in this company, talk to your manager, talk to your boss regularly, have the Mm -hmm. conversations about career growth and where you want to go and also look for it. I know Estee Lauder, we have an internal page where you go and search for information about the company, programs, jobs, even if you want to leave your brand. Not that I ever do it, but I should probably should. But you know, look for the information and always have the conversations. If I hadn't been talking to my manager about my career and about wanting to grow, I don't think he would have necessarily thought to give me it uh, or give me the opportunity. But he knows I'm very eager to continue to meet people and kind of network. And that's how it came to life for me. I, I really, I didn't go after it. I didn't even know it was something, but I'm grateful that I, I landed where I landed. And that goes yeah. back to my earlier point. It's all about, right, the network and the people that you yeah. have and how you show up because they're going to think about you. And they're, as things come in front of them on their desk, they're going to say, oh, that is going to be something Christine would be really good at. Let me give her that opportunity. So for me, I'm thankful that he thought of me and, and I love the women I've met. I don't think it's uncommon that people don't know about these programs. I think at different companies, this is the norm. They're like these little hidden gems, you know, (laughs) well, you know, what? part of it is HR, like they're not marketers. And oftentimes these types of programs sit in the responsibility of HR leadership and they have to get the word out. And so I think that's one of the things I would advise also having a relationship beyond your manager with whoever your HR business partner is for your division so that they also know you and can be an advocate as well. But because you had an advocate and that's key. How do you get an advocate early enough that when the opportunity comes, they're going to say, Christine, someone said Christine. And I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't more than one person who said your name or people were seconding that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then that's no, how totally. you, because 30 people is not a lot of people for a large company. You're really tapped for something. And it means that they see you as a leader, knowing that they see you as a leader. Yeah. <laughs> what are you thinking about where you want to go and how you want to get there next? I mean, what a great or question. Or in the future even. Yes. I. <laughs> it's funny that you say this. It's timely that you say this. I've been having a lot of conversations I've been asked, what's your five-year plan? What's your 10-year plan? And I sit here and I'm like, I don't know what next year is going to bring me. But I I do know from if I sit down and I look at kind of where I want to be or or where my strengths lie and where I want to learn and get better, I think for me, at least within my my brand, within my my company, I definitely love Mac. I want to stay within the brand. I love what I do, but I want to stretch out of my function mm-hmm. a bit and get more into a marketing role and, and more on the consumer side. It's something that 
I haven't really done too much of directly, meaning like working within the marketing function properly versus creative. So for Mm -hmm. me, it's been having conversations within those functions with those leaders, meeting to your point, meeting with HR and having the conversations about how and where a lot of it really is meeting people and the opportunities when they make themselves available, if you will have put yourself out there enough to your point, they will, people will say your name and then you'll have support from other people. So for me within Estee Lauder, there's so much opportunity for growth, which I find amazing. I'm really thankful for that in the company. And they really do want to retain their top talent. Honestly, I don't have the answers. I just know I enjoy creative. I enjoy marketing. I really enjoy understanding consumers and and what they want and how to sell them things. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, so <laughs> all the things. I, I know all the things, which sounds like crazy because you could be doing other things with your life, but whatever. I like makeup and I like the, the joy it brings to people. Like you said, yeah. Ruby Woo, just one shade of lipstick makes you happy. Um, it makes you, me happy. I'll yeah. wear it under my mask. How about that? I do. I exactly. mean, I really do. And so I, have, for, I have lipstick all on the inside of my mask. That's it's a okay. That's okay. <laughs> so for me, yeah, it's just, it's continuing to navigate what is um, this company and figuring out where where I can go, where I can stretch, but it's a lot of talking. It's a lot of networking and conversations and and meeting people, which I enjoy. And some women don't want to do that. And I think, you know what I mean? They just don't want to do it. And I I have to say, at your age, you mentioned it, you're 34, you're young, you're successful. I mean, you're a global director at a major brand. I feel like the sky is the limit. But I also think you've been very intentional about building these relationships. Yeah. And there's just some women, men too, but I've talked to women, they're just like, oh, I, I mean, I'm just trying to put my head down and do the work. But I just don't think that's enough. How do you make time to have these conversations to build these relationships? How do you balance that with also really just performance? Yeah, no, I hear you. It's, it is a job in itself, right? Making the time to meet with people and to have these conversations. And you can put your head down and you can get the work done. But I will tell you this, you're not going to move in your career by just doing a good job and by just getting the work done. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's very much about who you meet, the people you know, the network that you have, because those voices in the room, those senior leaders, when there is an opportunity, they're the ones that are going to put your name forward because you're not in the room to raise your hand. So, you know, if you want, keep your head down and do a great job. And that's going to be recognized and rewarded also, but not in the same capacity as moving into a new role or getting that promotion, or maybe switching to a different function. Because Mm -hmm. you do need to unfortunately take the time you have to be able to think about your personal life, right? If you work out, if you get dinner with friends and family, if you make time for your family, that's all you prioritizing and looking at your full plate and saying, okay, I'm going to dedicate this much time to work and this much time to my friends and this much time to my family. You have to carve out a little space of career growth and networking and building those relationships. If that's what you want to do, at least in my personal experience, that's what I've found. You're not going to get as fast and as far as where you want to go without building those relationships and without making those connections. So I urge women, especially women of color, it is the most important for us to have these relationships and to build these sponsors and these advocates around us because we're not going to be the first ones that are thought of when it comes Mm -hmm. to a promotion or when it comes to these opportunities. 
if we're not recognized by other people. Did you always know that? Did you always know that? Like, did you always have that awareness? Okay, so when did you get that? You're very clear about that. You're like, yeah, I can't say the same thing that the white guy can say. I know that I have to show up differently as a woman of color. Sometimes you see folks and they have no awareness that there's a difference and they are a person of color. So when did you realize that for yourself? Honestly, it took time. It, I needed to mature. I would say my early 20s, I was a bit bullish. I ran into rooms and I said and did whatever I wanted. And I definitely, there were consequences to my actions. But with that also took, it. that took me back, right? It made me take a step back, evaluate what was going on. There were definitely instances where it was uncomfortable. Not that it was overtly or directly race or because I'm a woman, but when I took a step back and I looked at the room and I looked at the people around me, I was like, got it. I'm not a white older man or I'm not a white woman who has known this guy forever, or who knows mm-hmm. the head of this agency. And so it was a lot of learning. It was a lot of making mistakes. And then to be honest, I will say this, working at Estee Lauder, they really talk about diversity and inclusion and mm. they really respect that. And I will say in the past three years, I've been given, especially in this program that I'm in now, but I've been given a lot of opportunity to learn that and to recognize that. Um, So, you know, I I do think you have to take every mistake that you make and learn from it. And then also surround yourself with people that are going to teach you that and put yourself in in programs and opportunities where you're going to learn that. I mean, Open Doors is all literally it's all about sponsorship it's all about who and meeting people and so that that was a big education moment for me as well i mean i love that you say that you may not have the relationship with the president of that agency that someone else might have had and so maybe we have to work a little harder to make those connections but if you want to be successful there's no getting around that there's no and i think that there's this attitude sometimes like well I'm just me. I can be, I I know I'm talented. Okay. But people have got to have the opportunity to see that and they have to know you to see that. And sometimes meeting after work or connecting over coffee or finding other ways to get to know them is part of the job. Yep, absolutely. And helping them on something. It's crazy how much that will take you if you just raise your hand and say, to someone senior, like, how can I help you with that? Like, can I, mm. can I do this for you? And then you prove to them your abilities, because I will tell you this, at least at my level, I'm in the day to day and I'm working and there aren't going to be many people, SVP, president level that are, are going to know what I'm doing on my day to day. But if I raise my hand and I say, Hey, let me help you with that project, SVP, let me help you with that project, global president. And they have direct visibility to your skills and your abilities. That's yes. another way for for them to you know remember you and to put a name to a skill set. Because Girl, that also- is some good advice. Wait a minute, let's back that yeah. up. <laughs> it really is. And I think since I've started Phenomenal Grit, there's all different types of listeners I've heard from. I do think we have a lot of younger listeners, and so I love to have people on. People are like, "Oh, you should have people who are only super senior in their careers." And to me, I think where you land is great. But what's even more important is the climb, how you got there. And sometimes talking to people who are like in that climb. And I just think that what you just said is critical, raising your hand and saying, how can I help you? Mm -hmm. 
What can and I do? And they're going to remember you for that, right? Because yes. they are crazy busy and they have so much going on and just approaching them and saying, and also acting like they're a human also, they have emotions and they're going through what you're going through as well, just because they're senior and just because there's so many more rungs up on that ladder than you are does not mean they are not a human. And you just have to think about it that way. Don't get yourself super overwhelmed or anxious with having those conversations also with senior leaders, because trust me, they will appreciate you taking time out of their day and your day to just a, say, hey, how are you doing? Hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. And what can I do for you? Or how can I help you? Mm-hmm. And then that's a relationship, I think, with someone that is invaluable in your career as mm-hmm. you're growing. When you're, even if you do it a little bit, it's going to mm-hmm. make such a larger impact. It's like you can do this small thing that's going to have this really great impact. Yes. So I want to shift gears a little bit um, and talk to you about celebrating yourself. Okay. I, <laughs> I was talking to one of my girlfriends the other day, okay. and I'm probably going to do a separate podcast just on this this topic of celebrating yourself. And she was saying how hard it is for her to celebrate her own accomplishments and her wins. And I feel like a lot of women do this. How are you, one, celebrating yourself, if at all? And also a part of celebration is taking care of yourself. What are some of the things you do to bring yourself joy and take care of you? Yeah. I mean, I think the first part of this question is hard because I don't, bring attention to myself or to my wins. I have a really close friend who's great at celebrating her wins and her successes. And I love that because a, then I know what's going on. And then I can also celebrate her wins. Um, I'm just not very good at going to my friends or going to my family and being like, Hey guys, guess what happened to me today at work? Or I just got promoted or I'm just, it makes me feel like uncomfortable a bit. But I acknowledge that I probably need to, especially if you're working so hard at something to share that with others. And let me tell you, like when I do share that, my friends and my family are so happy for me and they're so excited and sharing in that joy with them makes me feel even like more happy, more elated. I'm like, oh yeah, I did do something pretty big, but I'm not comfortable. So that first point, I'm definitely not comfortable celebrating my wins or celebrating myself. Um, at all. I don't, I'm not even like a birthday girl. My friend April's always, what are you doing for your birthday? Come on, we have to go out. And I'm just like, no, 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 it's okay. I don't like, Mm -hmm. I'm just, which is funny because I'm a Leo. So you would think I would want all that attention, but it makes me a bit uncomfortable when it's just about me, but I do love self-care. Okay. I'm all about. That can Um, be a celebration though, Christine. I mean, I guess a a solo or an internal celebration. Yeah. I do love to work out. Pre-pandemic, I was working out every single morning. At the start of the pandemic, I really was like stationary. And then halfway into it, I was like, all right, you have to get back at it. So I work Mm -hmm. out virtually, albeit, but I still try and find that 30 to 45 minutes a couple times a week just to, it it makes me feel so much better. I feel, you know, energized. I, I don't feel so exhausted or so like, run down. And I also have like a skincare routine night and day that's 27 steps. But that brings me joy. I love Wait, sitting there. Wait, did you <laughs> not, not really, You're not really, but like at least in the morning I have four steps and at night I have six. So enough. enough. Oh my God, you're so serious. Yeah, no, I love it. I mean, I also love the application ritual. I love the moment of just like being in the bathroom and putting all my serums and potions on. 
Um, we, we might need the, the steps for the show notes. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and my mom is a huge skincare advocate from little. Like she would always be sitting at her vanity and she'd be applying all her Lancome and she'd tell me all the time, this is the most important thing you'll ever do for yourself, skincare. Mm-hmm. So that for me is is really something I love. And then lastly, wine. I love wine, like having a nice glass of wine at the end of the day. Nothing better than that. So <laughs> that's I your do, self-care. That's my self-care. Well, that sounds like a celebration. I don't know. I think it you is. are celebrating. I think maybe <laughs> you are. Yeah, maybe I am. And just not the traditional way. But yeah, I do do little things for myself to make myself feel happy. You have to or or life's going to be very long. Yeah, no, I think you do have to. And especially right now when we can't do necessarily all of the traditional things that we used to do. Yeah. So we've got to find new ways to reinvent it. I love all of the self-care. I'm really intrigued about this. The four steps, then the six steps. Did I get that right? Or is it six, then four? Yeah, it's four in the morning, six at night. Yes. I, I feel like I have to step my game up when it comes to my, <laughs> my skincare. Or maybe I don't need so many, but it just sits in my mind. Nah, I think I need more. <laughs> I'm going to go with I need more steps. So as you're thinking about steps, and and I know I kind of asked you this, and I'm going to ask it again, because I think from everything I'm hearing from our conversations, from like the way you're being tapped for leadership at Estee Lauder, I think you might need to start thinking about pushing yourself even further. Yeah. I think you might start when I think about moving globally or taking on some big challenge have you thought about maybe doing something unexpected in your career within the same company? But I would not be surprised if you're going to get those type of ask. Yeah, I haven't. I. It's funny. I had a conversation recently with someone who asked me the same thing. He essentially said to me, where do you see yourself? And I physically, where do you see yourself? I'm like, well, I'm in Manhattan right now. My family's in New Jersey. So I think here, I don't know. He's like, yeah, but you're not tied to anything like geographically, where do you want to go? And he really put the seed in my brain of you could go anywhere. I traveled a lot and you learn a lot. You see so much out there and it really shapes, I think, your perspective and how you approach things. I would, my saddest thing would be just not being close to my family or not being a a car drive to my, or a car ride to my niece. Um, But you don't have to go forever. No. You could go for a couple years. Exactly. And that's what he said to me. He's like, you're not leaving forever. This isn't, you're never going to be back. And he's funny how quick a plane gets you from point A to point B, which it's fair. I, I think you're right in that there's so much more I can do in the next however many years I choose to continue working. Girl, I um, see some great things. I see some bright, I see a bright you. future. I'm really like, I appreciate that really excited about your career the way I was like Ruby Woo and you were like exactly and the insights behind that are (laughs) (laughs) yeah no I I really do enjoy what I I enjoy what I do and I think because of that I'm growing and because of that there's opportunity which if you're not loving I shouldn't say that because there are definitely days where I'm just like want to take my computer and throw it out the window but if you don't have some sort of like passion or Mm -hmm. reason for what you're doing it's you're not gonna it's just not gonna work like you're not really gonna get far so I I do what I do and I do really enjoy I really enjoy Mac and I, I enjoy what I'm working on but to your point there's there are I'm sure so many more opportunities for me and I I don't know I I really don't I don't know where but you're open we're gonna stay open. open 
I'm okay, very good. open. My, my okay, door good. is wide open and I'm just like, what, where am I going to go next? Which yes, I, I love that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that. What are, what's maybe one of the kind of coolest work experiences that you've had? I mean, you work on a really great brand. Yeah, I do work on a great brand. I'm going to go before this past year because I feel like this past year has been a lot of home working from home virtual calls. So yes, not that great. But I will say I want to say the summer, not this past summer, two summers ago, we actually went to Oxford for a one week course. I don't even know how many of us maybe 60 of us all for Mac. We stayed on right outside of campus at Oxford for a week. Every day we were were in these little teams It's like color, we were broken out by different colors. It felt a little like camp. Oh, that uh, sounds fun. But for adults, And we worked through different business problems and we actually came back and we like implemented, at least for the company, like no meeting Mondays and we have a mandatory lunch hour every day. So there were things that we brought back from that course. But what was really cool, A, we traveled. Wait a minute. Did y'all keep those no meeting Mondays? We really did. I'll say this. There are definitely times where we break the rules, but we try as hard as we can to not schedule anything over lunch. So lunch is 12 to 1 for us. And we try not to schedule um, anything on Mondays from 9 to 12. And then in the creative department, which you're going to hate us, but we have creative Fridays. So we get no meetings with cross-functional teams on Fridays, only within our own team. So creative with creative and that's it. So that's really, I mean, that's fantastic. But anyway, it was just great to travel. A, we traveled to London together. It was a small but big enough group. You got to really build some good friendships and you got Mm. to see people outside of the office. I mean, we were together for a week out in the Mm -hmm. UK, just learning and doing things, but also having fun and not only being about work. And I don't know, it was just, it was a really fun experience. It was a really like, for me, I I obviously go on shoots a lot. So Mm -hmm. for others, I'm sure that sounds exciting, but it's just, oh, another shoot, another set, whatever. I've done a lot of that. Yeah. (laughs) I love them. I love them, but I I like this adult camp example. No, this adult camp was fun because it was just, it was a week of, Honestly, it was hard. It was exhausting. We did a lot of work, but it was also fun. And Mm -hmm. I don't think you get too many opportunities like that in your professional work environment. I'm so happy that you came on. I I feel like you dropped so so many gems. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to see what you do next, Christine. (laughs) Thank you so much, Leah. It was such a pleasure. Honestly, you're the best. And this was uh, such a highlight of my day. So thank you. You're welcome. I'll talk to you later. You've been listening to Phenomenal Grit, career conversations for women of color. And I'm your host, Aliyah Kemet. Please subscribe to Phenomenal Grit wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, review, and follow Phenomenal Grit on Instagram. No grit, no pearl. No pearl.